Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Steve Bloomer's Washing, the Independent Derby County podcast. Thank you for joining us in a week where we'd hoped Derby might have found some consistency in the league and maybe made it to the second round of the FA Cup. But maybe we were just being greedy. Uh, Yet more infuriating inconsistency on show in the last week or so. Uh, A resounding season-starting statement win over promotion rivals Barnsley uh, at the weekend, followed just three days later by the Rams being dumped unceremoniously out of the FA Cup at the first round stage for the first time since 1985 in a thoroughly embarrassing home replay defeat to League Two crew Alexandre, leaving all of us asking, with the real Derby County please stand up. Uh, I'm Chris, welcome and concentrating on the league. With me are Richard Gotcha, you're right. Yeah, good Chris, as you said, would have been much better. We, we, we almost recorded this podcast on Monday night, didn't we? And we decided not to. And it would have been a very different tone, I think, of podcast if we had done it. So uh, plenty more to reflect on and uh, looking forward to getting into it. Uh, Anton Martin's here. Hi, mate. Hi, mate. How are you doing? Yeah. The uh, last time we spoke, you were in the wars. Likewise, are you are you fit and firing? Back match fit now? I'm getting there. With, yeah, I'm I'm walking without crutches or a, a massive boot, which is a, a good start. So getting nice. There. How much parenting have you managed to avoid out of sympathy with your your current uh, situation? Well, week one, I got away with a lot. I have to say, um, <laughs> but I kind of had to make up for that in weeks two and three. Because that's just how it works. So you're you're thoroughly in the red, uh, parenting, childcare credit wise. Um, we've all been yeah, there. Unfortunately, the best so. of us. Uh, well, look, let's dive right in, gents, on this one. A humbling home defeat in the week. Then days after we all thought Warns Derby had turned a corner, uh, losing three one at home to Crew, uh, and deservedly so by all accounts. We've been watching the highlights because it wasn't actually on TV anywhere. But we've seen the goals, look thoroughly deserved. But I want to run one of Paul Warren's post-match comments past you both first. 
Kutch, um, and the, the club sort of led on this on their socials, actually. They said, you know how the club sometimes like italicizes the quotes in a tweet to like grab people's attention. And the one, the one they like bolded up was Paul Warren saying, as I've said on numerous occasions to the group, if you're not right on it and at your best, any team can beat you. I mean, the, the, the message I took from that is I feel that Paul Warren is getting a bit pissed off and a bit annoyed that clearly he's saying the same thing again and again to this Derby County team. Um, it's not sinking in and he's really struggling to hide his annoyance about it now. Um, so look, in terms of crew and our general inconsistency, like how much of that do you put down to the players and how much of that is worn just not getting them to do what he asks them to. Well, yeah, he's obviously got to start saying something different because what of whatever he has been saying hasn't been getting across to them in terms of the consistency. And and that's that's what's been so infuriating because as we said, if we'd been recording this podcast on Sunday night or Monday night, I think we would have been, you know, really hopeful kind of going into a, a kind of mini international break, having beaten uh, a promotion rival at home, convincingly made them look very ordinary. And then the players don't turn up on Tuesday night when they, they already know that crew a tough opponent they showed that in the first in in you know the first leg so to speak of the of the tie um there, there could should be no complacency there it was mostly a first team from derby and they they again did not back up a good performance and a good result and it must be infuriating for paul warren i imagine it's infuriating for the players but as you say there something's not right there in terms of delivering that consistency i'm looking at the league table bolton have won what five plus games in a row and that's the kind of run we need to go on to be challenging at the top and it must be a it's a psychological barrier that they're not able to back up go back to back to back to back performances which is what ultimately they need to do and son the, the fact the fact is results have been so up and down and let's let's be blunt we haven't won games that we should like well like the first the you know the the first game against crew the the away game cheltenham other games like that that we could list but it really does undermine the good performances we put in like the feel good factor was so good after barnsley and you really felt like warren was doing what he could to get the fans back on side and then we just completely drop our asses in a absolutely winnable home game against a lower division side like where, where did you stand on it how much are the players to blame for what happened in the cup i think a lot of it is on the players um and what you said just there is is the frustrating thing about the the crew game yesterday because you can kind of understand to an extent why the players wouldn't be massively up for a game on a Tuesday night against a lower league opposition in the first round of the FA Cup, having just played a, a massive game where everyone's properly up for just three days later. So you can kind of understand that. But it was a great opportunity, as you say, to put together back-to-back wins. I think, we, have we only done that once or maybe even twice this season? We certainly haven't put together a run like Bolton have, uh, as Kutch just mentioned, and that's the kind of thing that you have to do to to really go on a on a promotion promotion streak and and certainly make it into the top two, but probably even even in the top six. So it's frustrating that we couldn't 
build on the weekend's display and really go into the break with with that level of conf- confidence because it's it was a great opportunity to do so. But I, I mean, a lot of fingers would be pointing at, at Warren yesterday, but I think the players have to have to hold themselves to a, an account because it it was a completely different attitude that we saw yesterday in terms of the the running, both going forward. There weren't men getting into the box or pressing in the final third, but they weren't chasing back either. And and you have to sometimes stand up as a player and 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 put the 100% of effort in. A good one to highlight, and I know that maybe I do pick on Connor Harahan quite a bit, but I thought he was poor in the first, in the away part of this tie, the first tie against Crewe. Um, I thought he was poor in that game and his his goal kind of masked that uh, performance. And then for the second goal, obviously, Anton, he was... You know, he was it was a shocker of a pass, right? Across the across I don't even know who he was passing it to. It was kind of across the middle of the pitch, right in the middle of the goal, to no one, and it easily gets picked up. And it was a kind of lazy pass, which you're kind of getting at there a bit in terms of it's on the players, like Paul Warren should be expecting better from his players than passing it to, the, to them in the middle in the middle of the pitch and it opening up. So being the crew first goal was an absolute uh, screamer. I kind of wondered if Joe Walsworth could have done a bit better at, his, at, at that post, but he also made two fantastic saves in that first half, which kept us in the game. So I just thought moments like that Howrahan pass are that's 100% on the players. They, they, they're much better players than doing that. And unfortunately, that's not a one-off, not just from him, but from others. You know, We have been sloppy in games. There have been some awful games of football, particularly earlier on the season at Pride Park. And the, the concern is, is I thought we'd got that out of our system, particularly at home. And then last night we do it. And yeah, maybe thank God it was in the first round rather than an important league game. Well, let's put that cup set into context, uh, Anton. It's the first time Derby have been knocked out in the first round of the FA Cup since 1985 and only the second time in nearly 100 years. Uh, so by my reckoning, uh, that's what I works out at least. Um, even the Rams' neighbours, Alfreton Town, are in the second round and we're not. That's how bad it is. Uh, they're in the hat for round two. And aside from the fact that we've lost out on what about, I think, 100 grand in in prize money um, for get to the third round, not a massive amount of money, but you're not going to turn it down. Anton, we were never likely to win the FA Cup, of course, but reaching at least the third round at least feels like our level. Do you know what I mean? Like, how much are you bothered by the FA Cup at all? Or is it just a bit of a distraction for you? Because it's not. It, it doesn't have the the romance, whatever on whatever that means anymore, that it, it used to. Um, quite a small gaze at the replay. Fair play to all those who went. Where do you stand on it as a competition? No, I'm, I'm not distraught at going out like I, I would be if we'd kind of lost heavily in the in the league. But there are a lot of positives to going on the cup run and I, I would have liked to go through yesterday you mentioned the finances that's uh, that's really important when you're down in, in League One but also building up a bit of confidence going on a winning run getting players in the goals we saw just a week ago James Collins scoring a hat-trick in in what is a much less esteemed cup competition, but that's put him in, in, in a bit of form, and, and he turned that into a, um, a couple of goals in, in the league on Saturday as well. So that 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 kind of confidence can bleed into into league form, and and if you get used to winning, no matter what competition it's in, that can only be beneficial. So I, I would have liked to go on a run, but um, now it's now it's out of the way. We can, we can focus on other games. 
I think the thing is you, you can probably afford afford in terms of the squad depth and, and, and the and the player workload to go on a run in one of the cups, you know, even just two or three rounds. So you don't want to go out on the first round in both cups, which is what I think what we've done uh, this season in terms of both the meaningful cups. I think we could have done with an extra game. Like we're going to have that week off um, when we would have been playing Bristol Rovers in the, in the second round now. And I think we want to get in the momentum of playing games and playing, you know, week on week on week. We've had so many international breaks this season, it feels like. And and we never come back good from them anyway. Uh, it's not like we come back and we go again and we play really well. It seems to interrupt the momentum and then we don't appear to do anything with those two weeks off. And then we come back kind of back at square one. You know, losing to Crew in the first round, a team which are in the top six of League Two, in isolation isn't a, it isn't a disaster. It isn't a terrible result. But it's not in isolation in the sense that it's just another poor performance it's like too good one bad too good one bad or earlier in the season maybe it was too bad one good and it's just you know i would have really loved to have got into the second round expected to beat bristol rovers and then in the third round it could get a bit more interesting i think we would have been nice to have a, a cup run in one of the cups it wasn't to be maybe the pizza cup is where our destiny lies this season where does it stand for you both on the uh, derby county embarrassment scale which uh it's quite a unique scale for us, I think, and quite a lower bar than for a lot of other clubs. I mean, for me, you know, it's not as bad as 11 points, obviously. It's not as bad as the Paul Jill sex tape. Uh, <laughs> but Kutch, worse than Crawley under Clough, do you think, in 2011? I think it's not as bad as Rami being on the back page of a Sun either. Um, <laughs> Amazing, you brought that up. <laughs> uh, it's not as bad as Crawley. I think, look, uh, we had this debate on the Discord earlier. I think one of the patrons said that, you know, we've had some of our worst results in our history in the last, you know, 12 months that Paul Bourne's being in charge. And I know where he's coming from. Like, we're in we're in the third tier of the English football. That's, a, that's not a place we find ourselves in very often. We've gone out of the first round of the FA Cup. But I do think you can kind of put that in the context of where the club is at compared to where when we were, when we got knocked out by, what, non-league Crawley at the time. Yeah. I think that, that one was particularly bad. That's the one that stands out to me, probably. That, was, that was on TV in the last minute as well. So uh, it was it was particularly heightened. That was Nigel and Robbie Savage and all those guys, wasn't it? Yeah. I seem to, was it was it Brentford away? Uh, it must have been a good fifteen years ago or so when Brentford were awful and we were we were pretty good back then. That was probably more embarrassing than Crew as well. I, that was the other lower league cup set that I remember. Was that League Cup? I think I'm trying to find I think it. That on was the... FA Cup third round. No, you're right. Yeah, o two o three. Yeah, yeah, got it here. So the uh, what a season after we went down. Yeah, when Brentford were uh, certainly not the uh, not the force they are these days. Uh, yeah, good shout, Anton. Well played. There was Chorley as well, of course, a couple of years ago. But then we did field a, a team of actual children. So like that doesn't really count, does it? Yeah. The other thing I'll just say quickly, going back to present day, is that was most of Derby's first team on Tuesday night and crew, as we've heard over and over again, are also injury ravaged. And I think it was less of their first team than it was on our first team. So I, I do put it on the players. The, the, the manager and the players prove that they can step up and put a good performance in on Saturday against Barnsley, which was probably one of our best all round performances of the season. And then they, as you say, Chris dropped their asses on Tuesday night against, against crew. So I, I do put that mostly on the players, but in terms of Warren getting his messages across, there is a pattern emerging here, which is, they can't do it consistently. Do you know who I feel sorry for, Kirch, is the, uh, that, that guy who wheels out this really big tinfoil FA Cup every season and it always gets <laughs> on TV. Do you know the guy I mean? 
Uh, well, there's several. It's not just one of them, is there? I mean, it's a Derby one. Well, the, I think the guy I'm thinking of, I think it's actually from London, and I don't think you were with me, but me and Tom bumped into him on a train at an away day once, and I was like, I was a bit drunk, and I like shook his hand and said how much I loved his tinfoil FA Cup, <laughs> and he was like, "Who are you?" Do you think it's the same? Do you think it's the same tinfoil cup each year, or does he make a new one? Do you reckon it's like the same cardboard, but he gives it a fresh layer of foil every year? <laughs> Like a new lick of paint. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder, wonder what tinfoil is in the inflation index, if that's how much that's going up in price each FA Cup round. That's true, right? yeah. Because he lives. Can you, be, can you afford to, to relayer a cardboard FA Cup with foil every season? Doesn't have to now, so at least you save some money. Um, <laughs> so good for him. I was going to ask you both about the inconsistency thing, because, yeah, we have really struggled to put any sort of run together. But... If we beat Bristol Rovers, it's a big but, we'll have won four of our last five in the league, which is a pretty good run, really. It's just that the the blot of the Stevenage defeat in there as well. So, like, we're seventh. We're just about keeping pace with the pack in League One. And I think, Kutch, we're going to talk a bit later on about upcoming fixtures and that sort of thing. Like, are we as inconsistent as as people are saying because we're we're sort of just about ticking along and keeping pace aren't we i think it's the manner of the the games which we don't win because i mean you mentioned some of those there chris stevenage cheltenham shrewsbury they're, they're games that you'd look at and say we should be winning those games and if you turn those those draws or defeats into into wins suddenly that's that's where you can go on those four five six seven game runs and and that's that turns you into a promotion team rather than a, a team kind of just outside the playoffs so I, I don't think it's it's the fact that we're losing loads of games it's it's just the the nature of those games that we are losing the expectation is high right so yeah we're not we're not 100% inconsistent because that'll put you bang mid-table. We're obviously better than win-lose, win-lose. Uh, we're just, just about winning more than we're losing with, with a few draws in there as well. But we expect to be at least in the top six. We expect to be much nearer the top two than, than to sixth. And so that's why, as Anton says, when you drop points against uh, Chelsea and Shrewsbury, it's it's infuriating because we know the team, they've got it in them. Blackpool away, Peterborough away, Barnsley at home, putting four past Northampton. Like That's what we should be expecting eight times out of 10 in games, in my opinion. Those kind of performances, we should be... The squad, as I've said over and over again, the squad is good enough to be challenging for the top two. But the, the more we run out of time... The, the bigger that run needs to be. It needs to be a 15-game winning run or it needs to be kind of the innocent climb we saw under McLaren. Like It's got to be that kind of level of 18, 20 games unbeaten. And and the longer the inconsistency goes on, the much harder, the much less likely that's going to be in the second half of the season. More coming up on Steve Bloomer's washing second half. But don't forget, of course, you can support the podcast on Patreon. Uh, loads of great benefits that you can uh, cash in on at the moment. Uh, there's our beer mat collection, of course, that you can get a discount on if you uh, if you remember 10, 15, or even 20% off any purchases made in the SBW Etsy store. And uh, our latest competition prize was a signed copy of Mark O'Brien's book, and a fantastic 3D aerial printed map of Pride Park Stadium. So we love giving away really cool, arty, Derby County related prizes to our fantastic patrons. And you could be one of them if you sign up over at Patreon 
facebook.com forward slash Steve Bloomers washing. Radio Christie. Look at his back. Still Christie. Oh, yes! Well, it's a great goal for Derby County, first of all, in their plight. But it's the end of a long, barren run for Malcolm Christie. Going back to mid-December when he last scored in the Premiership. Hi, I'm Paolo Wanchop, and you're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing. Welcome back then to SBW. Uh, I think a player we want to talk about next that we haven't really mentioned, Kutch, the crew game notwithstanding, is Kane Wilson. Give him a little bit of a mention once or twice this season, but he looks against Barnsley like he's really started to motor, really starting to to do impressive things. I mean, the, the, the club clipped up some... Uh, Kane Wilson filth, uh, as they termed it themselves. <laughs> I love it when corporate brands try to uh, try to <laughs> speak in those terms. But to be fair, some absolutely uh, disgusting nutmegs on the same Barnsley player twice in the same game, I think, uh, who looked like he had real trouble. Um, that's a really interesting one, isn't it? But he is, he looks like in a season where a lot of the squad aren't quite performing as they could, that he could be a real like emerging gem from this team, couldn't he? Yeah, I think he is. And uh, Anton will speak much better about our tricky attacking players than I probably can do. But I think he's, you know, as we've said at the start of the season as well, he's the right age profile. He's actually a talent that we've got in the building that we own. He's not on loan. And you can see that he's got real potential to be a top League One player. And I think, you know, potential to be more. We've commented before, I think he's maybe he looked, he's looked a bit heavy since he's joined us, but I think he's getting fitter and fitter. He hasn't had a string of games. He hasn't had a lot of starts. Hopefully we see more of that. He's obviously in that kind of right wing back mould, but looks really comfortable playing much further up the pitch. He beats his man. I think in the Barnsley game, he was just beating his man every single time when he came off, when he came off the bench. Um, he's got that great nutmeg you know, in his arsenal. I think... Like all players at this level, sometimes his, maybe his composure can be a bit to be desired. But actually, I think he's I think he's quite good. He, he wants to try and pick out a pass in the final third. He's trying to actually make a pass rather than just hit it into an area. He probably deserved to have had a couple of goals this season or a couple more goals this season. So I think he's a really exciting player. And I would be trying everything possible to get him into the starting eleven, whether that's in a, a right-wing attacking position when Mendes Lang needs a rest or from the left he's played and looked effective. I thought he was okay against Crew in the first game. Um, when he came off the bench as well, he made a real difference. Uh, so yeah, really excited, really excited to see him playing. And yeah, one of the few players in the squad who is the right age profile that hopefully can develop with us. We've actually seen Mendes Lang play on the left-hand side in in recent games as well, which I wouldn't have expected to to work, but it it would f- create that space for Wilson to to step into down the right wing because although Barkhausen's being okay the last few games, he, he still flatters to deceive a little bit. He doesn't seem to do a, a great deal, so it would be nice to get both Mendes Lang and Wilson into the team. There's, there's just something about someone who who dribbles with the ball so well. It's exciting, isn't it, to watch? And and with Mendes Lang and and Wilson on either flank, you really stretch the stretch the play. And with the, Wilson's ability to beat a man like he does in quite a chaotic way, I think the, the chaos is almost part of his charm and part of his benefit at, at times because he doesn't know what he's 
trying to do half the time and so the defender definitely definitely can't follow but it just draws men out of the the position in the back line and and we've seen that happen on on so many occasions he he creates that space and then it leaves men in the box unmarked and although his end product had is probably where he he's let down a little bit as you say catch in recent games it does seem to be like he is working on that especially on his cut back to the edge of the box as i seem to remember quite quite a few chances in in recent games where he's beaten a couple of men pulled it back and either harahan or or bird has been coming onto it um and it's it's looked really dangerous and i'd I'd love to see see more of him as as he gets fitter so if you're Paul Warren, Kutch, like it's a real quandary, really, isn't it? It doesn't have many selection headaches across that squad. Maybe you could argue one up top as well. Um, but he's got to somehow try and fit Niambe, who's been very impressive and seems the best of the three defensively. Joe Ward, who is probably the best crosser on his day of the three. And Wilson, who's the best dribbler of the three on his day, somehow into the same team. How would you go about doing that if you were him? I, I don't think you can play all three of them in the same team. I think, as Anton said, it, it's, it's quite easy to get Wilson in the team because I think he's competing with Barkhausen for one of the wide positions. Um, and, and you know, Wilson can play right or left. Mendes Lang, his uptick in form, as Anton pointed out, has kind of coincided with him going spending more time on the left and swapping between the two, I think, works well. So for me, Wilson is in contention in the front three rather than trying to fit him in you know, in the right back, right wing back position. I think the only way you can fit Niambi and, and Ward in the same team is if we did go back, uh, if Warren did want to go back to a 3-5-2, I think Niambi is a ready-made right centre-back because of his defensive qualities uh, and Will, and Ward is a perfect right wing back because of his crossing. Otherwise, I think it's a game by game in terms of do you want a more attacking right back in the sense, in the, in the shape of Ward or you want uh, a more def- or a more defensive-minded right back who can do a job on a man marking a tricky winger or or whatever. So I, I would, you know, Niambi, obviously his, his deal runs out after the African Cup of Nations. And I'd love to see us keep him. I imagine the reason maybe we weren't able to afford to get him in the summer was because he already signed two right backs and he obviously wanted a lot of money because he wanted to um, stay in the championship. Now Wilson's proven himself as a real option and we need more options in the final third. I would love to keep Niambi in the building because him and Ward then can compete as right backs. A nice bit of uh, competition up top as well, you'd have to say. I mean, James Collins is... Has his detractors, of course, we know that, but uh, he is in he's in double figures for the season now in all comps. Um, to be fair, he scored half of them in two games, but you can only beat what's in front of you. Got a hat-trick against uh, a team of children from, from Wolverhampton, so fair play to him there. Um, but a brace against Barnsley as well, Anton. And uh, so, yeah, five goals in two games now. Um on the one hand, we've had to, we can't use the Papa John's Pele anymore because it's now no longer sponsored by uh, that pizza company. It's now sponsored by Bristol Street Motors. Uh, so we had one of our patrons, Julian Gerson, referring to Colo as the Bristol Street Batistuta. Are you, uh, are you having that one for Big Colo? I mean, I'm not having having him as Batistuta, but um, it's <laughs> nice to see him in the goals, isn't it? As you can say, you can only beat what's in front of you and and whatever Colo does, however he scores them and whoever against, I think he's got to that point where he will always have fans picking holes in it and, and de- 
taken away from from what he's done. But five goals in two games, you, you can't really take anything away from that. And and you saw him play with much more confidence towards the end of the the Wolves game, and certainly in the Barnsley game. Was it the second or third goal against Wolves where he whipped it with his left foot? I, I don't think I've ever seen Collins take on a, even take on a shot like that, let alone score one um, in a Derby shirt. And if we can get him doing that more often and actually taking on those opportunities he could he could score 20 goals this season I'm not going to go higher than that <laughs> I, can, I can see <laughs> yeah, study, study um, yes yeah, <laughs> but um, I mean a confident James Collins when you when you've got Washington and, and Waghorn kind of covering and, and chipping in with some goals as well is exactly what we want to see so it's, it's great to see him in the goals I think as well like and again I don't want to sound like I'm repeating myself throughout the season but I'm looking at the list of goal scorers in League One and James Collins is the Eighth top one, he's in the top ten anyway with his seven goals in the league. Yeah, I know you said three of them came came against a bunch of fifteen year olds, but take those three away from me. He still scored, he still scored seven league goals, which puts him right up there in the top ten. And and obviously Martin Waghorn is, has got six league goals. So between the strikers, we've got we've got the firepower in the team. I don't think scoring goals is actually our main challenge. Right, we we do miss a lot of chances. I think what the problem is is that sometimes quite a lot of our goals come in the same game. You know, three away to Blackpool, four away to Peterborough, four at home to Northampton, and then we can't score the goals needed to beat Shrewsbury or Cheltenham. But yeah, I think Collins what was great about his Barnsley performance, building on the the hat trick in the cut in the Bristol Street Motors Cup, whatever it's called, it wasn't just his both his goals. One was a penalty and one was a, a big chest from a centimetre out, right? It's relatively irrelevant as a goal. But his whole performance was he completely bullied that Barnsley backline the whole way through. Like they just, they never had a moment's rest from him. He was winning free kicks like for free all game. And I thought either it was just a very naive performance from the Bar- from the inexperienced Barnsley backline, maybe a bit too lightweight or Collins was just kind of completely on it. And when he's playing like that, not only is it give him confidence and he's more likely to score goals, it's just, it helps the whole team and all the people around him. Chris Martin coming back in a couple of weeks, Anton. The uh, him and Colo, the battle of the chesty strikers. <laughs> God, imagine uh, playing centre back up against those two. Up top. That'll be a, a challenge and a half. And I was, I was going to say though, Catch, um, to your point around the goals that he scored against Barnsley, it's not really. Collins's game to score good goals uh, really and it's even scoring goals isn't really his his best attribute I know that's a, that's a weird thing to say for a striker but I feel like he's the kind of player who 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 brings others into play his hold up play is actually pretty underrated and in the way he works for the team is is pretty underrated at times and the reason he gets a lot of stick is because of the lack of goals he scores because as a, as a number 9 no matter what type of player you are you do have to chip in with goals so so if if he can just continue to to score those one yard chests or, or penalties or chip in with the odd header and continue to work hard for the team that will hopefully just take away from the the stick that he gets and and we'll, we'll be a better team for it speaking of rubbish goals um i did watch the, the spurs chelsea game where uh no goals rubbish chris chelsea <laughs> uh well you say that but nicholas jackson scored what i saw a lot of people on on twitter refer to as one of the worst hat tricks of all time but he's not going to give a shit is he like i'm sure no none of the players actually care about exactly. this i'm sure Collar doesn't care either i mean the <laughs> Barnsley goal absolutely brilliant uh nice little move fozzy 
fizzing one off the bar, goes way up in the air, and then Colo's there to chest it in from about 25 centimetres off the line. Uh, I thought initially shades of old Mario Balotelli in that one with the shoulder against Norwich, uh, but uh, at PRF Derby County came back and said, uh, I thought Colo went full Yul Mwene. Does that mean anything to you, Kutch? Remember that one? Doesn't mean anything to me, but I, I, I meant to look it up. I don't remember it at all, but as we know, my memory is the worst of all. No, it doesn't mean anything to me either, but I, I actually think the chest was an underrated good option there from Colo because the ball's coming down from a long way up, and if he goes either with his head or with his foot, which you'd think would be the nat- natural options, you... You could see that balloon over the bar, given the the height that's coming from. It's actually quite difficult to glance it at the right angle of your head. So, so the chest is. I think the chest is actually a really good option to get the right angle on it. So, I'm I'm going to give uh, give Colo credit on, on this a one. Chest. I've done a few chest glances in my time. I never got away with them in the same way that Colo did. <laughs> Best chest-based derby derby goals. That's one for me to try and get stuck down a YouTube wormhole on later on. Well, I was going to say, Yulma Wene, so it was, again, it was in the 0102 relegation season, exactly the same circumstances, same end of Pride Park. Uh, ball goes up in the air, comes down with snow on it, uh, and Mwene sort of, it doesn't do what Colo does. He, I think he sort of swings a foot at it and it just sort of bounces off his ass and like bundles over the line. <laughs> we won the game 1-0, but still got relegated. Um, I was at that game. So yeah, very good reference from at PDF Derby County on that one. Um, well, look, bit of a short and a sweet episode on this occasion but before we go um you've been just having a look at the fixtures there Kutch games coming up I mean how much does it how much can you really read into it because we can beat good teams and also fail to beat relatively weaker teams but I think what is worth pointing out is that we're what 16 17 games in and we have played all of the teams above us or around us so we're seventh we played all the top eight so yeah, basically half our games have been almost against teams above us, kind of. So the point I'm making is, look, we've got, what is it? Bristol, Bristol Rovers, Leighton Orient, Lincoln and Wickham, I think. And then a bit of a tricky spell around the end of the year with Oxford and I want to say Portsmouth again, I think. But Coach, you were saying that you, you reckon now might be the time where we we could go on some sort of run, maybe you think. <laughs> <laughs> how many how many more clauses you to put in Please. there? Um, I mean, I'm also I'm not trying to you know, make excuses for our inconsistent form so far. But in terms of already playing everyone in the top eight, I'd also chuck Wigan into that mix, right? If you gave them their points back, they would be top six, um, and we obviously have played played against them on the first game of the season when I think they were looking pretty good. Yeah, so what? Bristol Rovers, Port Vale, Leighton Orient, Wickham, Lincoln, Wigan again, and Oxford uh, on the 29th. Uh, so it's been really busy December after a couple of games in November. But we've said this uh, every international break, Chris. Like we've we've kind of we've come into an international break. We've got okay. Let's get a few players back. They can work on whatever they're working on in the training ground. We've got some winnable games when we come back. Let's put a run together. And then we've come back and we've thrown away points in a stupid performance against a stupid team. Um, so I'm not holding my breath at all when we come back. I just We just need to put a win together, a, a run together. And to be honest, wh- whatever, I don't even know if it's relevant what our fixtures are because we're so unpredictable, whether it's a good team or a bad team. 
Um, I almost at the point now where I think we're we're maybe doing better against the better teams. You know, aside from Stevenage away, we've we've put in on some of our best performances this season against the better teams in the league. Again, Peterborough, Blackpool, Barnsley have, have been our probably best games of the season. So they just need to get professional and start doing jobs on teams that they are better than because they just are. They're they're better than Bristol Rovers. They're better than Port Vale. They're better than Leighton Orient. They should be winning those games. If they turn up and do the jobs, they'll win them. The main hope that I'm clinging on to is, is the, the kind of return to fitness of a lot of our attacking options. We've seen in the last couple of games, Mendes Lang is, is looking back or, or, or close to his best. We've got Kane Wilson, who we spoke about before. Washi seems to be uh, kind of much more fit. I know he's been injured the last couple of games, but he's he's been in the goals. Collins is in the goals. Hopefully Waghorn and, and Ward are going to be fully back after the international break as well. So we've got options going forward. I think the inconsistency is mainly being driven by the lack of form and the lack of availability of some of those attacking players. So if we can keep all of those fit, have players not only on the pitch at the start, but come off the bench and make, making an impact then we'll hopefully see more goals going in and a return to, to, to winning ways. Yeah, who on earth knows what Derby County have got in store over the next few weeks. Uh, in the words of the great Gennaro Gattuso, sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. I meant to find that and dig it out and play it, but uh, I didn't have time. One or two other items to just give a little mention to. Uh, Philip Koku has lost his first job since leaving Derby. Uh, he's left Eredivisie side Vitesse after a particularly bad run of form. Only eight points in 12 matches, leaving the bottom of the table in Holland. We broke that poor guy, didn't we, basically? <laughs> well, is he, is he looking better than what he looked like when he left us? Uh, because it doesn't that, look it doesn't look quite as much like a sort of withdrawn junkie or like who uh, who's having like a lifestyle crisis. He looked, um, like a, he looked like a young emperor from the Star Wars. You know, it was awful. <laughs> it was just horrendous. I think the thing about Koku is I think Koku is a great example, and there's probably almost every other manager outside of the bald fraud or Jurgen Klopp can kind of cite this, or for Alex Ferguson, like. Koku is a great example of you could be a really good manager in one job and another job just doesn't work for you. Like I think managerial managers in football, they all have their level, but it really comes down to the right fit and the right club. Like he obviously did a great job at PSV and won the league. Did he win the league with uh, PSV? He did, didn't yeah, he? Yeah. 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 And, and he comes to Derby and it doesn't work out. And now he can't even manage a team successfully back in the Eredivisie. So, you know, manage, man, and maybe Paul wants a good manager, but it's not working at Derby, or maybe it does. Like managers, they're not they're not bad. They're never bad. They, they have jobs that suit them or jobs that don't suit them. I think. To clarify, by the bald fraud, you're talking about your 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 long uh, campaign of hate <laughs> against Guardiola, not Paul Warren, right? Yeah, Pep Guardiola. Yeah, I don't think Paul Warren's a bald fraud. No, sorry, not yet. Anyway. <laughs> uh, that's a deep dive for a future episode. Your uh, your. Irrational hatred of Pep Guardiola. Um, and uh, yeah, just a last one. There was a bit of social media uh, sort of um, reaction to uh, Kieran Maguire's podcast, The Price of Football, who I've got an immense amount of time for. Like he, the, the work and the research that he did, particularly during admin, was absolutely invaluable. But he's made a bit of a sort of throwaway claim, really, that um, he reckons Mel Morris still has some sort of influence over goings-on at Derby. I can't remember the exact word that he used. It was either footman or 
trenchmen or something like that or like foot soldiers or trench soldiers i don't know um but the point he was making is that he has he reckons mel has eyes and ears in the boardroom which i found surprising that he said that because i just don't think it's true um maybe you could accuse me of swallowing the club line on this and the club did put out a clip from from clouds in the summer saying absolutely not he has no connection to the club anymore but what did you make of those comments Kirch? I I thought like you I was a bit surprised at the kind of flippant nature of them from Kieran Maguire like as just like you I listen I don't listen to his podcast as much as I used to and that's a good thing because as he says himself on the podcast like you don't want your team to be featuring on on the Prize of Football podcast normally and he is you know pretty diligent in his research and this story seems kind of about he said that uh, you know an employee from Derby had, had phoned him or spoke to him and said that some people connected to Mel Morris were still involved in the boardroom essentially now the reason i think it's a bit careless just to throw that in without any other kind of um context or any other any other information that he shared was one we know stephen pierce is still at the club lots of people think he shouldn't still be at the club i'm in that camp but he is we are where we are and i but even though i don't think he should be at the club i don't i haven't got a tinfoil hat on that makes me think that he is the eyes and ears of mel morris now maybe they're referring to someone else or something else but Kieran Maguire probably should have been more specific. I just thought it was maybe, you know, Derby fans rightly are very sensitive and you want to be very careful about the way the club is run. And we are kind of still in recovery mode. And I do, I personally do like you, Chris, trust David Clowes. And when he says that Mel Morris got nothing to the club anymore, I believe him. And unless Kieran or whoever else can actually point to this is happening, I would kind of move away from just making throwaway comments, which get fan bases rolled up, people throwing accusations around the club feeling the need to make a statement. And I thought the club shouldn't have even bothered you know, responding, to be honest, because they've already made their point in the summer. So, yeah, I thought it was a storm in a teacup. I think it's unfortunate. And, uh, yeah, we move on. And hopefully that kind of rumour does go away. But I just want to repeat that I have full trust in David Clowes as obviously some decisions, football decisions we won't always agree with. But in terms of being a custodian of the club, um, I, I don't believe for a second that Mel Morris got anything to do with it. I, th- I think that's it. I'm sure it is just a bit of a, a weird rumoury uh, story, which I'm sure will probably die a bit of a death over the, the next coming months. I can't really see how there's any any substantial truth in that one. Um, Anton, finally from you, speaking of trust in David Clowes, like, Everything we've said in this episode comes back to this. It seems obvious that Klaus is not going to get rid of Paul Warren. A lot of people want him to. A lot of Derby fans have completely lost faith in him. We even spoke to a couple after crew um, who who were just done with the manager, but he's not going anywhere, is he? So no matter what we say, although for the record, I think we just about said we're just worn in still uh, when we recently discussed this, David Klaus isn't getting rid of him. So the best approach really is to just do what we can to get behind the team, no matter how bad things get, right? Yeah, exactly. And and we saw the, the atmosphere at Pride Park for Barnsley on Saturday was was the best I've seen probably this season. And, and look how that turned out. I mean, it, it helps when you score three goals and you beat a promotion rival, of course. But that's all the, the players and the manager can focus on, kind of giving results and, and putting in performances on the pitch. And and if things do turn, I, I think the fans will, will turn around and, and give Warren the credit he deserves if, if that happens. 
that the expectation is high. War knows that. And the only way he, c- he can respond to that is, is on the pitch. The only way's up. So some tough games to come. But we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Richard Kutcher, thanks for your time, man. Thank you. See you soon. And uh, Anton, continue to get well soon in your rehab. And uh, speak to you shortly. Cheers, Chris. Up the Rams.